0: Hola, hello, hi, bienvenido, and welcome back or welcome to Mentors today. Ileana, what's going on in Guadalajara today?
1: Hi, uh, we're still feeling the after mm. shocks. <laughs> I was I was thinking after shakes, but no, it's after shocks. Well, I mean, technically,
0: is isn't after shake, but yes, yeah, after shock, so. Yeah,
1: but but we are fine. We are fine.
0: So hey, we have a really cool guest here hanging out in the wings. Yeah. And so why don't you tell everybody about our guest?
1: We are super happy and want to know more about about our guest, Janine, so. Janine is a go-giver entrepreneur, a sociologist that turned techie. Born to Jamaican parents, she prides herself of being a global citizen who speaks three languages. She dances salsa and samba and has shared meals with strangers in nearly 20 countries. She's known as a super connector. Janine lives by the Credo. Always give more in value than you receive in payment, and trust that the genuine relationships building and resilience are the key to success. On a personal mission to increase access to capital for underestimated funders, Janine has impacted over 400 entrepreneurs in the last two years and has been featured in Nasdaq, Business Insider, Cheddar TV, NBC, The Miami Herald, and the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine. Janine is an avid ecosystem builder and Miami tech advocate and has assumed the role through her work as an ex-in-residence at Rex and one of the world's top fintech startups a VC scout of Florida Founders, and a venture partner at We Founders. So, Janine, welcome to Mentors Today. Thank you. Thanks <laughs> for having me. Yeah, we are really happy to have you here and want to know more about you. And, of course, I want to know more about your dancing skills because I'm also a, a dancer in my free time so
0: i i think we could find both of you dancing somewhere on tiktok or instagram
1: oh my god 1000 percent! i need
0: to
2: find yours so i can see
1: no I, I don't have a tiktok dancing account but maybe i will get inspired by yours <laughs>
2: no i don't have one either girl i refuse to download tiktok i can't it's too overwhelming yeah Ele, did you dance in college
0: or you just danced like while you were college age
1: no, I used to dance since I was little and then I applied for a scholarship at school. Wow. And I, I get it because I was a dancer. So I do my career by dancing with the company of the school.
2: Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. No, thank you.
0: All right, so, yeah. hey, I've gotta, I'm have going to hit you with the first question oh, and God. this is going to get us rolling. So but I woke up this morning, I woke up to a tweet from my friend, Janine Suha. So you said very emphatically as always, right? I have a personal goal to get more black and brown people into tech and in BC. But now before you utter, why can't it just be all people? This is me putting my tone to your <laughs> tweet right? I would ask you kindly and respectfully to kiss my ass. Yep. Let's talk about
2: that. Let's talk
0: about that. You said what you said. Let's talk about what I
2: said. And I left no room for ambiguity. Um, Why, (laughs) Why is that important to you? It's super important just because we're, I mean, me coming into the space was kind of by accident. I wasn't trained in tech. Like I was a linguist before I even, you know, got into founding a company and community had always been around everything. And Basically what it came down to is that I owned a coworking space. We did research. We had to close the coworking space, unfortunately due to COVID. But as a result of that, we grew this community, this global community of like 3,500, 4,000 founders. And when we asked a lot of the founders who tended to be black and brown people, because that's who we are, I mean, it was completely mixed, but that's who we attracted When we asked them what were some of the barriers that they were facing, it was access to capital. And they felt like they didn't belong in the space and that they didn't feel like they could participate because they weren't familiar with how the space worked. And so from then on, I made it a personal mission to kind of shake shit up and and kind of provide the platform for other people that I wish I had, because it wasn't easy breaking into it, but... As a result, so much has changed for me. So much has grown. I've developed so many friends in the space. And even on a deeper level, just like my career has soared. And so from then on, I made it a personal mission. And when people ask me, well, why don't you just say all people? Because that's not who I'm talking about. Like all people have had the opportunity. Not all of us have had the opportunity because it's such... I would say on the VC side more so a relatively new space you know haven't been founded in like 19 I think it's either 58 or 68
0: 68 I think yeah I think I yeah I think the first like real even Silicon Valley people, mm-hmm. if you talk about investing, was only like 71, 72. Yeah.
2: So it's wow. super early. And traditionally, I mean, white men have been in investment banking, and that's just kind of who's been at the forefront. And I think that when you have not just diversity of people, of like ethnicity and race, just not limiting it to that, but true diversity of thought and having different types of people from different groups at the table, because no one group is a monolith, you can make things happen like at a more effective and scalable level. So that was the tweet that was at the it (laughs) this morning. You just
0: woke up this morning, fired up on Tuesday. You're like, I don't know. I feel like this is on my mind.
2: (laughs) I was like, it was on my mind because I'm tired of telling people kind of not even telling me, but insinuating through their actions that like, we don't belong. And I find I call bullshit all the time. So that's what was on my mind this morning.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I was wondering that like, What made her, like, it was something that happened to her, like, or why did she, like, say, today I'm going to put this, like, out loud?
2: I had, I actually, it was crazy. I had a a talk with my girlfriend yesterday, and she was telling me about her experience of being in Miami and experiencing colorism, even though she's, like, a founder who's basically worth millions and millions of dollars. And I had a similar experience that happened to me when I was in Sonoma that we like the the restaurant owner refused to serve us. I was like, no offense, but I came by. Girl, it was crazy. This
0: is in the Bay Area in In California. Yeah, I know. In in the last couple weeks.
2: In the last four days. This happened the day before my birthday. So on the 17th, we were in Sonoma and we got to a restaurant and I was like, you know, I always try and give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm not the type of person to just, Oh, assume that it's because I'm black. Cause microaggressions exist, but you can also kind of have what's called confirmation bias. And that you think that something happens. And because you think that it's going to happen, it's going to happen whether you think it happened or not. Right. This was like blatant. Like, so it was four of us, all black women. We went into this restaurant and we get in there and the restaurant is basically empty and we're like, hey, you know, can we sit down for four? Immediately they were like, oh, no, we're, we're not seating anybody. We have a large reservation. So I was like, cool, you know, and then we were like, oh, but are you sure? Like, can we sit on the bar? It was more so the tone. they were like, oh, we're not seating anybody, whatever. So I see three people outside, all of whom are white, standing, looking at the menu, trying to like decide and I can hear them deciding if they want to eat inside or not. So I was like, oh, you know, whatever. So we're like, oh, whatever. We won't take it personally. We'll go to the next restaurant. But I sat back and I waited and I basically heard them have the conversation with the person, the maitre d or whomever you want to call it, who sat them. Basically, they were able to sit instantly. And I went into the manager and I said, sir, I thought you said that. I can't believe this. Because the restaurant, you had a big reservation. He's like, oh, well, they had a reservation. I was like, but I just heard them ask about availability. So clearly they did not and it bothered me for a while. And my friend told me that she had a very similar experience. Uh, so that's what kind it's, of-
0: It's been on your mind for a week, the weekend, basically.
2: Yeah. yeah. Like, dude, how is it that we're still super successful and we're making these names for ourselves? We're busting our asses to be seen as equal, but we can't, you know, it's something such as small or so small as no, not- No, because-
1: no, it's not small. It, I mean, it's, I can't believe it. Oh.
2: It shook yeah. me, and then when she told me that, I was like, "Oh hell yeah. no, I,
0: no!" Because yeah, you you slept, you woke up this morning. You're like, to be clear,
2: I was like, to be clear, yeah. Don't think that you can right. respectfully and kindly, you know, whatever you want, kiss my ass.
0: Yeah. No, that's and, and that's you. I mean that that last sentence is is the sassy, smart, confident <laughs> you that says like, I know who I am, and, and I know I'm self aware. So
2: yeah, but ha-
0: but having said that like I will say, because Ileana and I talk about it a lot, is, you know, just the perspective in Latin America, say, right, where, so hey, proud Latina right there that we're looking at, but obviously for those that can't see or don't know her, light skinned, right? And so then therefore in her country, we always talk about how in the U.S. it's racism, but that's what that's what you and I are understand. Whereas in Mexico, it's it's classism or colorism.
1: Yeah, for sure. Right,
0: and and, and 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 when people can think about it in that context, it's like okay, same thing, different application or different set of different set of catalysts, but that same set. But but the the open kind of like what you just described and experienced here in the U.S., which again, sadly, we're conditioned to know exists, to Iliana off is still shocking. Because like, that's not like a normal experience in Mexico City or in Guadalajara.
1: Yeah. And we do experience this kind of stuff. Actually, we a couple of months back, there was a huge case here in, in the country of the restaurant that seats the people of color brown in one side of the restaurant and the whites in another side. Wow. And so people start to notice. And it was a huge Stuff to speak about, and then they they sue the the restaurant, and it was a, a huge. But even problem. in that
0: story in the Sonora, yes. like wasn't it? It was like darker, more indigenous, darker skinned people, Mexicans who get yeah. seated at the. Yeah. By the way, this is a restaurant that I've gone to like a hundred times since I right. when I lived there, and I would go there with my Mexicana friends or collaborators who look just like her, and we would we apparently would always get sat on the other side, and I didn't realize it.
1: Wow. But we no, but nobody realized. Like actually realized, yeah. but the employees started to point at that. Like, hey, you, ah. have you noticed? Look at that side, all white, and this side all brown. So, the thing is, like the people didn't catch it because we are not very aware or we are not questioning that so much. Of course. So then it it becomes huge, and of course we had those problems. But we approach those. In different way, I don't know. Yeah, and uh, maybe I'm part of the problem. I'm noticing. I don't know. <laughs> no,
0: but but this is this is why we have these discussions amongst friends yeah. because it helps elevate just awareness, one thousand a, a, a consciousness of of our surroundings and those we interact with in a different way. So,
2: yeah. Thank you, thank you.
0: First of all, thank you for sharing that.
2: Oh, of course. Right,
0: vulnerable story. That's hugely important. But let's shift back.
1: Right? Yeah. <laughs> and let's talk. Let's talk about that
0: energy. Which led you, we'll talk about Brex and your day job, as I like to call it in a while, but like that energy led you to say, I'm going to launch my own VC. And this has happened since I've known you, which has only been about like a year uh, or a little bit less. So, like, talk to us about it's resilient capital, spelled really cool with a Z, right? So, tell us the story about why resilient, right? And what its mission is. And then also just kind of the snapshot like, where are you at today? Where are you going? Because, hey, there could be LPs listening that want to invest in you. Because oh my gosh,
2: do. LPs, come hit me up all the time on Twitter, Instagram. I'll give you my phone number. I don't care. <laughs> um, so Resilient came as a result of me wanting to, I've always known that I want to build a fund, but taking a step back and like, Almost again, investing into people, which has been a common theme for me investing time, energy, resources into people, because ultimately that's who I'm championing for while simultaneously being able to produce outsized returns to my LPs in the future. So resilient is called resilient because throughout my life of getting divorced and like starting a startup amidst COVID and failing, not failing, but you know, not succeeding. but amongst that the theme that i started to notice within myself was resilience and it was always kind of having no choice but to pick yourself up and it's spelled phonetically because in my first life as a linguist that was a very important component that led me up until this point and my genuine understanding of people and how to break down concepts or seemingly complex concepts into a way that people could understand specifically when i saw the parallels between how a first-time founder interacts with language around bc and how a second language learner acquires their second language so that had always been like the theme and that's where i called it resilient and i put it phonetically Um, because it was such a deep part of who I was and who I am and who I will continue to be. And essentially the thesis of the fund is we invest in dangerously resilient founders, building in future of work and community. And I start with future of work and community because that's what I know best. And part of our strategic partnership with founders is to leverage my connections and my community and then my subject matter expertise within the future of work um, and education like ed tech leverage that to help them grow and get exposed to new channels and opportunities and potential customer acquisition strategies that they may not have had access to before so we're super early we write smaller checks it's like a micro vc fund so like Anywhere from 50K to 150K is like our sweet spot of what we're aiming toward. Um, But we come in toward the end of the round. So my personal thesis is like being last check in because you're going to have those cash cows that give you the million dollar checks, the $500K checks. But I really want to be the value add on the relationship and the strategy side and leverage the resources that I have to do great things for the company. So the goal is right now just using Resilient as a syndicate and kind of pulling together these different VCs and different angel investors to, and also show my future LPs that I have skin in the game so that when I go to raise, and I'm very ambitious, my $100 million fund one in, say, two years, I will have already developed the trust of this community who sees how I invest, and then I will also have given myself time to kind of see the outcomes based on my theory and my thesis of what I believe to be true, which is that dangerously resilient founders always figure it out. And when you kind of combine that with the future of work, life and play, you'll produce like unicorns. So that's what I believe.
1: Awesome.
2: That's awesome. <laughs> and thank you. It's so exciting.
1: Yeah. And how has been the, the experience of raising a, a, a new fund as a woman, as a woman of color? it has been hard it has been easy uh I don't, a little bit about that
2: that i think i underestimated underestimated myself to be honest in the first time that we raised so our first check that we cut was fifty thousand. and initially in just being vulnerable and given the, the theme of the podcast which is like mentors and just being real i didn't think that i was going to be able to raise the money and i kind of surrendered it to the universe and i was like if i was kind of getting a little bit of imposter syndrome which i hate using that term but I, mm-hmm. I i had and so i told the founder i was like look we're in an economic downturn the money that i thought i could come up with some of my lps have pulled out i don't know if you still want me on the cap table but you know if you do let me know if not i'm going to pull out and he was like 1000% i need you on the cap table so i was like Holy shit. Okay. So (laughs) I was like, you know what? We're just going to try it and we'll see. And the goal was 25,000. And we ended up doubling our investment by having the people who believed in me very early on, like putting money in. And so that was a wake up call to me. And that's when I was like, this is what the universe, it was like my affirmation of like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, even when I doubted myself. So I don't even, I know it sounds bad, but I haven't thought about it from a female of color perspective just yet because it's so early on but I do realize that my network and the value of my network and the importance and the strength of that network I wouldn't have been able to do it had I not had those relationships. So that's why it's so important to me to like build kind of progressively so that when it comes to raising the fund fund it it will be, it will feel, I mean, it will still be hard, but it, it will kind of help me make more yeah. sense like this future. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're building uh, organically might be another word. Organically. Right. Mm-hmm. And because that's also how you're, and I hate the word network, but that's how your network evolves. Right. It's, exactly. It's because you are, you like much like me in some ways, like, you are you and who you are and how you are with people over an extended period of time then essentially develops those bonds.
2: Exactly. And it strengthens it and realizing that those bonds can turn into like actual evolution of and progression of like people and whether people being myself or like people like I just, I built a relationship Three months ago that now resulted in one of my friends getting a job from that person who's trying to break into tech like that doesn't make any sense to me logically, but that's the power. And that's the lens that I'm looking at VC with, which is why I'm very bullish on like things changing and which allows more opportunities for others who didn't have that access and who didn't have that opportunity or that training to kind of break into this new world and do more positive changes. Yeah. So
0: I have a quick question, a follow on to that, but I have to do a shout out first based on what you were just saying, just so everybody's clear about how we know each other.
2: I know. So
0: so in in almost a complete validation of everything you just said, we were introduced to one another remotely, did not know each other through Taj Eldridge, simply because Taj and I have developed a trusted friendship here in LA. And when I said I was about to take a trip to Miami, on behalf of our Chilean client who was expanding into the US, Taj's default answer was like, you got to meet my girl, Janine, you got to meet this person, you got to meet that person. Like there was no question, right? And then he reaches out to people like you and goes, hey, my guy Rob's coming to town. You got to exactly. meet my guy Rob, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's like boom, we've passed through the magic gate. There's no interview required. Like you, he right. says that, we're good. And then we wound up missing each other because of random schedule problems that that visit stayed in touch because of the roots of where it came from. And then when you landed out here, saw you and then helped you fill your rooms, fill your events, do whatever you needed. So like, again, it's a great Testament to how you and I tend to believe Ileana does as well. Like, right. This is how the world works at its best. Um, we, you can't live a life like in today's world and say you don't see color, right? Because that's ridiculous. But, but, but the truth is like you can live a life like this with intention and open-mindedness and curiosity and the mix of the people in your, around you can be as diverse as, as humanly possible. And that doesn't really then matter, right? We, but you got to get there. You got to be intentional, like supersede it.
2: You have to, and I think that's where the value of community comes into play. Cause it's just like, it doesn't act like I put it on LinkedIn today. Cause again, I, I want people to understand that like community doesn't have to be with people who you know but when the collective is working toward this like shared goal and shared vision, anything goes. So Rob is like a super connector too. And I support the vision that he has in play for like the mentoring aspect, just being a valuable resource, being a kind human being first and foremost. And I support that. And because of that, like I want to support him in any way possible because we both have like this shared vision, which now I'm connected to Iliana, So now it's like the community just grows and grows.
0: percent, hundred percent. Okay. So how did, how did all this get started? Like, did you have entrepreneurial influences in your young life, like were your, were there parents that were entrepreneurs in Jamaica? Like what's the, tell us the origin story.
2: So my dad, Jamaican people are like hardworking by nature because when it comes to education, once you hit a certain grade, as we call it in the U S once you hit a certain grade and you stop performing, you don't like, that's it. You don't get a second chance when it comes to your education. So my parents instilled that in me very early. Like example, my father They call him prof, short for professor. He's a a geotechnical and civil engineer, entrepreneur, hardworking man. My mom, speech language pathologist, super hardworking. But for my dad, to give you context of like the standard, my dad got the second highest score when he was a kid in the entire country. And the first thing that my grandpa said to him, as you can imagine, is like, why didn't you get first? So that's the level at which I've been trained at. Um, But my dad and my mom also never put limits on me and they never told me that I couldn't do something, which I value that so much because it inspired me to like dream and try and encourage other people to dream in the same way. And even my uncle, my uncle's an entrepreneur. He's a doctor, dermatologist, but has his own practice. My cousin has his own practice. Like my sister's a transplant surgeon. Like the hustle doesn't stop, but everybody's for the community and for like dreaming as big as possible and never placing limits on yourself, which has become like a personal thing for me to, and that's why I love people so much is because I want people to experience that same feeling of like not feeling like you have to operate within limits, which is kind of what led me to this point of not taking no for an answer, even when the world was kind of like kicking me down a little bit. I still wanted to bust down its doors and be like, I'm here, Mother Beebs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you can swear on the show. It's okay.
2: I know. You but, can say whatever you want here. No, <laughs> My mom may get yeah, mad at me if we don't I say want that. that.
0: No, no, she's, she's a good girl, Mom. We don't want to encourage her to do that
2: stuff. I know. But yeah, that's kind of like what led me here and just like, being amongst this community of like Caribbean people and having all these aunties and uncles who are constantly just being like, like one of my uncles from Trinidad calls me Miss Brex. And it's like that support group um, is how I got here and how I kind of allowed myself to not stop even when hit with adversity, which is kind of relating back to the resilient component of just genuinely appreciating that word and that overall concept around resilience. So
1: you also work for Brex, so can you tell us a little bit more about what's your role there and what, what is it about?
2: Yeah, so Brex is um, one of the fastest growing fintech startups currently, and it's an all-in-one finance tool for venture-backed startups and unicorns, and essentially, while I was building and while I was in this like gray area between closing my business and starting a new one, um, Brex was like, hey, we want to basically hire, if anybody's into sports, like hired me for my likeness and mm-hmm. encouraged me to do all the things that I was already doing, building community, meeting with founders, creating resources for founders, creating content. And essentially they brought me on as an, what's called an expert in residence or XIR for short, okay. kind of like a take on an entrepreneur in residence and a VC in residence where we have these super connectors in these major tech hubs who want to build community for Brex, but using that as a go-to-market strategy. So really spending time with founders and investors, facilitating introductions, offering resources like office hours, pitch deck reviews, um, and basically just being like that go-to in-person resource that you would normally find in like an online customer service agent. So that's um, what we're doing right now at Brex. And we're really focused on Building in different tech hubs and just trying to help founders as much as possible.
1: And what does Brex do? Like, it is only a service that can be offered in the United States, or they have like plans to expand?
2: Yeah, so we're available in certain countries, primarily in the US, but with expansion moving in South America and in Europe. Um, and so it's all in one finance tool that kind of started as like a corporate credit card for startups because startups weren't able to get access to you know a line of credit because you had to have two year of financials and like startups are moving so quickly that the founders wanted to make credit limits and just kind of financial tools more accessible to founders. So we're global with plans of additional expansion, but for right now, primarily in the U.S. and like. Y Combinator founders are some of the founders that get a little more flexibility just because YC founders come from all over the world mm-hmm. awesome. All right.
0: so you're literally a relationship guru
2: literally all right
0: so I was having I was having a conversation with a, a young entrepreneur over the weekend and he was lamenting how difficult it is to build relationships with clients and investors but then also to like build personal relationships. And he hasn't lived in the same city for more than like a couple of months for the last three years, which to me, that made the conversation very easy right? yeah, because yeah. I was like, dude, like at some point it, when you're centered around, like you're not just a digital nomadic worker for some company where you just have to do your work and then go live. But like, you're trying to build a company, you're trying to build client relationships. You're trying to fundraise. Like, I get it. We're remote. We can zoom. But the truth is like, you have to plant some root somewhere So talk to me about, you travel a lot in your business. Like we were just teasing you about that before we went on air. Like you travel a lot in your business, cross country guru, right? So do you find that it's harder to develop like sustainable, strong relationships because you move around so much because you are so mobile or is it irrelevant to you? Have you, have you figured out the ways to do it well? Um, talk, Talk to me about that a little bit because I'm, I used to be totally nomadic. Now I'm much more rooted post pandemic, and i'm I'm trying to figure out where this is where this is all going,
2: yeah, that's a really great question. Oh my God, I love this question. I think my formula has been kind of like our relationship, Rob. It's like having that initial touch point online to at least know who you were like connecting with. And then eventually meet them in person if you have the opportunity to kind of solidify the relationship, get the energy. And that's typically the theme that has been very successful for me, traveling to New York, traveling to LA, to SF, to Tampa, to Atlanta. It's like, who can I have initial touch points with maybe on Twitter of just like sliding in somebody's DMs and being like, hey, or even doing a call to Twitter and being like, hey guys, I'm going to be in Atlanta for three days, like, who should I meet with, or even rob with you. I was like, Hey guys, I want to host this event in LA who should be there and make people feel like they are involved in contributing to your relationship building, because then you're not just getting the people who they're recommending, but you're also trying to forge partnerships with the people who are making the recommendations. And so what has been very helpful for me like from miami it was of course spending four years here and just like having coffee with any and everybody now i can have the privilege and have the opportunity to be a little more strategic with how and where i spend my time but in going to different cities it kind of helps to have that initial touch point whether it's liking something for somebody on twitter commenting going into their dms having a quick 15 minute zoom coffee and then giving them an opportunity to meet you in person to solidify the relationship um and continuously doing that as I'm in different places so again like i'm going to la now i can connect with you again we can go grab right. coffee so it's we kind of just take the time to build so
0: i'm hearing intentionality
2: intention for yeah. sure and then also consistency and follow up the yeah. follow up game always has to be strong yeah. if you don't act on the suggestions that you make or the the things that you wanna help people with, you're not gonna be credible and you're not gonna actually be forging those relationships. So I would say intention, follow up, and then also just kind of being consistent in reaching back out to people because it does take time to build trust. Yeah, and the
0: selfish reason, one of the selfish reasons I asked that question is because I'm trying to learn, right? Yeah. And I'm trying to stay relevant and aware of the, of the realities of today, right? So I don't wanna be like, okay, boomer, like, no, you have to live someplace and build relationships. But at a certain point in certain relationships, like, again, in my perspective, like I I'm having a hard time getting any responsiveness from from investors. Well, okay, what are you doing? Well, I'm just DM tweeting or emailing random people that I don't have any relationship with and I have no contacts with. I'm like, okay, where do you live? Oh, I'm here well, how many investors have you gone to try and meet with in your own city where you literally have things in common? Like maybe you root for the same sports team or you live in the same neighborhood and you go to the same coffee. Like, so to me, I'm trying to be aware. Sorry, I'm trying to like ask questions and learn, but I'm also kind of like some of relationships in human humanity is just universal.
2: It is. Right?
0: So these are just different tools and you, you, mm-hmm. have, you just gave us a great methodology, but I'm also kind of like at some point <laughs> always try
2: and find a warm intro too that's been super helpful i know it's hard because you're it's it's just kind of difficult um when if you don't know the person but i'm always i'm a believer that everybody's always some type of degree you know the world says what six no, degrees, or three degrees yeah, or two. yeah. at this point but in new cities i still have to do some outreach and be like hey guys who do you know in the city or, Hey, I see that you're connected to this person. Can you just ask them if they'd be willing to meet up with me? So you develop champions
0: in your, in your network.
2: And to also do so good, which Rob, I feel like you do really well. Ilya, I'm sure you do it, but I haven't built that relationship with you yet, but to be so good at helping to connect people that people then, Talk about you when you're not in the room, and then they champion for you and facilitate the intros that you didn't even know that you wanted or needed. Yeah, so that was as, another... long as long as
0: long they're not calling me an asshole when I'm not in the room. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, oh my god, I don't think I would ever put those. Like I can be.
0: There are people in the world that think I'm an asshole, but that's okay. Oh, people
2: think I'm an asshole too totally because cool I, I can be. But <laughs> do you think that this, and you
1: you guys you have been both of you about? how to be a super connector and how to build community but i was wondering as i as i I've, I've listened to you do you think this is something that you're born with or is something that you can develop Ooh, or that's a great question it was something that you just had or it was something that you saw and you want to be part of them because i think some entrepreneurs maybe they have the intention but they maybe they don't have like the skills, the yeah, skills to do it and I don't know if it's something that you can
2: learn. I think it's both. Oh my God, I love this question. Honestly, I think it's both. I think that you can train yourself. You can set the intention to want to be it, but then you also have to be born with those people skills and that EQ. But you can also kind of sharpen those skills over time. So I'll explain it like this. I'm a naturally outgoing person. I've always been crazy. My parents have always thought that something was wrong with me. The doctors used to tell my mom that I was so spastic that I needed to be on medication. (laughs) She was like, but she gets her work done. So we'll allow, like, we'll let it slide. Right. So that has, that kind of energy has always been there but when i had a co-founder i always thought that she was the major networker and i took the backseat role of being the ops person and being behind the scenes not realizing that i was limiting myself to certain opportunities so in the point when we were about to close the business and i was going to break into tech i started reading a little bit more on relationship building and the level of influence that certain people had and i saw that the most influential people knew the most people and they had the, the strongest networks. And so I set the intention and I was like, I want to be one of the most well-connected people in Miami. I don't even know what that means, but I want, I want to do it. And so I started reading more and more books to kind of train myself on how to leverage that energy and how to kind of internalize that. Because by nature, I'm an introverted extrovert, meaning I love being by myself, but I know that when I'm out, I have to be on, Mm -hmm. not in a fake way. (laughs) Because dude, I could sit in my house all day and be good, but I also know that people need this energy and that it's beneficial to the world. So that's why I say it's like a combination of innate skill of me just being an, an, an energetic person training because I learned how to develop and hone it and use it as a superpower. And then constant, just like intention of telling myself, this is what I want to do, but this is what you need to do in order to be that person. So, um, those are that I would kind of answer it in those, in those three ways, but that was such a great question.
1: And Rob, what do you think?
0: <laughs> All right. So I'm not going to, I won't, Try and usurp that amazing answer. I'll add, what? I'll add a little bit to it. And then Janine, you can use this because yes. it's, it's, it's how I learned. So one, completely agree. Two, the answer to every complex question like that in life is always, it's a little bit of both slash it depends. Yes. Right? So nobody likes to hear that. Everybody likes definitive black and white right answers. That's not reality. Right? So this is a classic, it's a little bit of both answers. Right? Here's how my dad taught it to me. One, I humbly, I say, I'm an affable person. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a communicative, outgoing, socially pleasant person, right? So I get that. Um, and maybe I had some genes that were embedded in my DNA that make me, like, attractive <laughs> to some people or whatever, right? That's all. I get that, right? Having said that, born with that, like, if I hadn't been grabbed by my dad at 19 years old when I was in an accident in college and I had to take a semester off and he was like, what are you lazy, you know what, going to do? Like I'm going to teach you how to build professional relationships. When your friends tell you I'm teaching you how to be a salesman, you can tell your friends to F off because they don't know what they're talking about because I am going to literally teach you how to develop professional relationships. So he took that which which you or I were born with Mm. and then he literally taught me how to 10,000 hours it before Malcolm Gladwell talked about 10,000 hours, right? right. And, and, or how to get in the gym and put in your reps before LeBron James talked about getting in the gym and right. putting in your reps. So w- the way he described it is that human relationship development or human relationship maintenance, right, is equal parts art and science. Mm. And the way that Ile, I think this is the real answer that I would give to the question is that you can be imbued with some personality traits or not, right? But then you can learn the science of how to develop relationships, how to communicate with people, how to empathize with people, how to spot certain trends, how to react to things like that. And if you work on the science, as you said, uh, Janine, like sharpen your craft, right? Work those muscles, right? If you do that long enough over time, then when you get, as my dad used to say, then when you get in the room, your artful side can come out. Mm. LeBron famously puts it differently. He says, I put in all this time in the gym and I spend these millions of dollars on my body so that when I get on the court, I can just be me.
2: Wow. Oh my God. My dad
0: was saying that in 1989, right? And and so, so that's the answer. I think everybody, and I have seen engineering, engineering, engineers, the nerdiest, most antisocial people in the world who, if they listen to the basic principles and then just apply them, even with a different type of personality, you can become effective at follow-up and and development relationships and negotiate, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, Yeah. excellent, awesome question, Elaine.
1: Thank you both. (laughs) So we have been talking a very powerful stuff here, but before we go to the Mentor of the Day segment, I want to know, what is the Monday motivation videos <laughs> that you do
2: <laughs> during. Okay. So I, I'm a morning person, right? Like I can be a morning person or a night owl, just depending on the day Mondays. I'm super morning. Like I wake up probably five thirty, the latest, like six 30. I just like to get it started. Cause I like the new fresh start to the day. So during, COVID my then co-founder was like, dude, you're like on crack. Like, why do you have so much energy? And it's Monday during COVID. I would go on, like, I would go to our building on Monday, even though it was closed and just like be in this big ass warehouse by myself. And one day everybody was like depressed. I think it started in like June, 2020 something happened. I would always like blast music, dance, blah, blah, blah. And I just said, what if I could like transfer this energy to people online? And so one day I made this like Monday motivation video as just like a random thing and people loved it. And I started doing it consistently like every Monday. And I think it was more so the impact of like seeing people, like I cried by people's responses. Like I had a girl who had cancer who was like, thank you so much for making these videos. Like I had people who have been depressed. When I share my story on Monday, talking about my divorce, like people responding. And that's when I really learned like, how you kind of showing yourself or just like showing up as yourself can be a benefit and a light to others. So I started just doing them every every Monday and wow. I kind of mixed it up. I was like, what crazy shit can I do today? <laughs> and I was just like, kind of just switch it up just depending on how my body- works. I
0: have seen you literally freestyle raps from scratch.
2: <laughs> it's just like, it was my way of, I know that people hated Mondays and trying to change the narrative of Mondays. And I know again, in sharpening those skills that I have a lot of energy and that energy can be transferred and transmitted. And so that's what it was. And I took, when I, I would say in the last month, um, starting in August, I got so burnt out that I realized that I felt it started to feel a little inauthentic because I would dread not dread but I was like oh okay
0: I have to make one
1: it's
2: Monday again uh, yeah. versus like oh my god okay let's go and I always tell people when I realize that I've hit that point that I'm gonna stop yeah because I never want it to be fake because I just it has to be real it has to be real it's just not the same so that's why I stopped and then Within the last couple of weeks, I've been traveling on Monday, so I haven't had the opportunity to do it. But when I, I think this Monday, I got the energy to be like, wow, I really need to do a Monday. And that was the indicator to me that, okay, it's time to come back. Those are the Monday morning videos. Maybe
0: your next Monday dance video will be in an airport. Maybe that will be. Oh my
2: God, I've done that before. I've done it. Really? Yeah, Yeah, but like, but I had to be like super quiet because it was like 5 a.m. Um, no, I think it needs to be cause I miss it and I miss like my people, but I also d- uh, deleted Instagram. So that kind of take that out took that out. Nice.
0: Uh, by the way, she posts these video dance on LinkedIn too. Right? I do. She's... I
2: don't give a shit. It's out. I know people were like, that's a little unprofessional. I'm like, yeah.
0: Not if you know me, it's not. No. Yeah. This
1: is me. Okay. And I'm deciding what's professional for me. Yes.
2: Exactly. <laughs> honestly, it helped me get my opportunity at Brex, like not just not that, but kind of just showing my authentic, my authentic self. So that's when I stopped, like, I'm never going to listen to anybody, not never, but within reason, you know, I'm going to be mindful, just not like.
1: I love your authenticity. A lot of people will like just not do stuff because they just want to be okay with what everybody thinks. Yeah.
2: You have to be real. You have to, because when the moment that I feel, and maybe this will kind of segue into the mentor, but it's like the moment that I feel it's not authentic is a clear indication that I need to stop because it's like, it, what good will it do if you're putting fake energy and like me as mm-hmm. a human, if I'm not okay, then my people, what's being sent to them isn't going to be good. So that's when I'm just like, nah, I got to come first after years of like putting so much into other people. I was like, nah, I should probably take a break.
1: Okay, so now it's the perfect time to go to the Mentor of the Day segment. So, Janine, you are the Mentor of the Day today. So, yeah, we need from you three pieces of advice for our audience. And remember, this podcast is listened by entrepreneurs across Latin America and also in the border and also listened by VCs or maybe just curious people that want to know more about the entrepreneurship
2: ecosystem. So. Well, my first one, I would say be authentic to who you are. I know that can be like a little tough and it's like, sounds better than it's actually doing it. But I think that when you're more authentic to your own personal story, you're one, you're happier. And I hate using the word happy because it's so subjective, but you put yourself in a position to actually enjoy the things that you do more, which tends to lead to more happiness. So I would say, be authentic to who you are. And the minute that you feel like you're questioning it, it's okay, but kind of reevaluate the intentions of things. The second one, I would say on a personal level, it's like, try your best not to allow certain limits or certain narratives that people have established for you to kind of determine the outcomes of how you move. Because had I listened to people throughout my entire career, I wouldn't be in this role that I'm in now and that also goes back to like that being authentic. And I would say the third one is like that resilience component of allowing yourself to just keep going and not recklessly, right? It's like, take the time that you need to process and to pause and seek help, seek advice where you need it. But ultimately, if you want to get to somewhere, you have to keep going, whether it's moving in some forward direction, you don't have to like go balls to the wall. But if you can encourage yourself and train your mind to keep going, you'll see a lot of the results. So kind of to recap, allow your authenticity to be your best trait. Don't allow people to control your own narrative and then allow yourself to keep going. Like keep pushing one step every day. It all sounds cliche, but those were super practical things that helped me push through and will continue to help me push through. So I hope that they're helpful to the listeners too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: terrific. The, not surprisingly, super authentic uh, advice from a super authentic person. <laughs> it's awesome having you. I'm going gonna, gonna to do something a little unconventional. Everybody would expect that I would thank you for being so awesome and so energetic and so positively energized and all that stuff. But I think everybody knows that. So I'm going to actually tell people what I am thankful for, which is is you are really, really smart you are really, really empathetic with other people. Um, and you are like a natural helper of other people first, right? And But it, apparently in a healthy way from what you were just saying. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Like you just, you brought all of that energy and this doesn't always happen on the show. You brought all of that, which I know you to be in our relationship and literally, we're just that again here for 45 minutes. And I'm I'm super grateful for that. So just keep like, keep being you, buddy.
1: Oh
2: my God, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. That was very thoughtful. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you so much, and Thank you for having me on this show. It really does mean a lot to me. Like, Thank you for allowing me to speak and just amplify my voice. So thank you guys.
1: No, it's our pleasure. And before we leave, can you please tell
2: us where we can find you on social media? Of course. So Twitter and in, uh, not Instagram, (laughs) Twitter and LinkedIn, um, both of my handles are the spelling of my name. So J E A N I N E S like Sam U a H you can find me there. And those are like the best two ways to get in contact with me.
0: Awesome. And if anybody wants to find Brex or resilient, how do we find that?
2: Yeah. So if you want to find Brex, you can go to on Twitter at Brex. So B R E X as in xylophone HQ, like headquarters. And then with resilient, it's R-E-Z, like zebra, I-L-Y-E-N-T, like Tom, CAP, so short for capital, so resilient CAP, on Twitter and LinkedIn. Awesome. Awesome!
0: Thank you so much. This was
1: awesome. Thanks. Be cooks. Bye.
0: As always, we thank you so much for listening. Today's show was recorded in Los Angeles and Guadalajara, produced by Deanna Bernal in Mexico City, and promoted by the content team at Growth Hacks in Tijuana, Mexico. You can always find and share our show via any popular podcasting platform, as well as find us on social media at Mentors Today on Instagram. If you'd like to connect with our hosts, you can find them on Twitter or Instagram at I am Rob Ryan or at J A F. Gracias, thank you, and we'll see you next time.